You're listening to Reimagined Radio. Real talk, real life, real magic. thought-provoking topics, and conversations and tools that are going to help you live the life you really want starting today. So pour yourself a cup of tea, have a seat, and get ready to join Love, Life, and Law of Attraction. And today I want to talk about dating the undateables. And when I say undateables, I don't really mean that. These people are actually super dateable. They're just not super relationship oriented. There's some pretty significant red flags that we can look for straight away that let us know that somebody might not actually be relationship material. Now, any one of us could have any one or one of these signs, maybe even two, But if there are two or more, it's definitely worth looking at. And these are the kinds of things that we would know about someone fairly early in a relationship. I was talking yesterday, I think, with a client about an article that I read about John Mayer, talking about the women that he had dated and how that sort of his history indicates he's undateable. And the reason it comes up is because I have, I don't know, I've had many clients lots and lots of clients who end up in relationships that ultimately end and they feel like something is terribly, terribly wrong with them. Either they're LOA savvy and they're trying to figure out how they created it, or they're really trying to figure out why they weren't good enough to be with that person, why he or she ultimately left, why why weren't they enough, what should they have been or done differently. So I want to just like take a stroll through through John Mayer's dating history and let's look at some of these women. And there's a few. And they're all pretty spectacular. Katy Perry, let's start there. I mean, businesswoman, she's smart, she's talented, she's utterly gorgeous. Renee Zellweger dated John Mayer. That didn't work out for her. Taylor Swift dated everybody, but she also dated John Taylor, or John Mayer. That did not work out for her. Kim Kardashian actually dated Mayer in 2010. Um, they had quite a bit of fun in New York City. They were seen out and about, and nothing serious ever came of that. Go figure. Um, Sheena Marie from Vanderkamp Rules. He dated her for quite some time. And then he ended up cutting it off. Go figure. Jennifer Aniston. What's wrong with Jennifer Aniston? She was not good enough for John Mayer. And although they were in a relationship for nearly a year and were reported to be very serious, 
he ended up breaking up with Jennifer Aniston. Minka Kelly were in a relationship for quite some time early on in 2007. A lot of people thought they were headed for marriage. I mean, it was a relatively short relationship, but they were utterly inseparable. And both of them did interviews, which indicated that they were very serious. Um, he broke up with Minka Kelly. You might not know who she is, but she's hot. I'm looking at a picture of her. Oh, yeah. Jessica Simpson. Sexual napalm, if you remember that. Like, he did interviews about her after they broke up, talking about how good she was in the sack. In the sack. Um, this girl is like crack cocaine to me. Sexually, it was crazy. She's beautiful, talented. We can say what we want about Jessica Simpson, but she was obviously good in the sack. Um, John Mayer broke up with her. Let's see here. Rana Mitra. I'm not sure who she is, but I'm looking at a picture of her. She's gorgeous. Um, it was sort of rumored that they were seeing each other, but they were seen together a lot for an extended period of the time. Oh, this one's good. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Your body is a wonderland. I mean, obviously, he had strong feelings for her, at least in bed. He wrote one of his most successful, very sexually charged, not even innuendo, but right out there, songs about Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, John Mayer broke up with her. Let's see who else we've got. Vanessa Carlson from Pitch Perfect. He broke up with her. She's really pretty. Wow, I did not know this. Cameron Diaz, definition of just two stars hanging out together, having fun. And they spent a lot of time together hanging out in New York. This was right after Diaz had broken up with Justin Timberlake. She may have just been nursing a broken heart, but he was a good distraction, apparently. And um, John Mayer called that off with Cameron Diaz. Rashida Jones. Um, was with Mayer in 2009, right after he broke up with Jennifer Aniston. Um, it ended pretty quickly because he may have still had friends or feelings for <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. Um, she went on to be super successful in Parks and Recreation, but, um, yeah, John Mayer broke up with her. And let's see, Colby Colliott. I don't know if you're familiar with her music. She's gorgeous. She's talented. She's extremely successful in her genre. Um, John Mayer broke up with her and John Mayer also broke up with Mandy Moore. Those are just a few. Now, my point here about John Mayer and all of the breakups is that there's nothing wrong with any of these women. I mean, there may be lots of things wrong with them. We don't know. But I mean, Jennifer Aniston wasn't good enough to be able to get John Mayer to settle down and do relationships. Jennifer Love Hewitt wasn't good enough. And when I'm talking to people who've gone through breakups with these kinds of people, like I said, they inevitably internalize it as being about them. What was wrong with me? I think there are signs that probably point in another direction in terms of what's happening. I mean, lots of people want to date, like they are into dating. Lots of people want to be in relationships who aren't capable of sustaining them. Some people like the thrill of something new. Some people just don't do commitment very well. Some people just don't have good relationship skills. 
I suspect John Mayer is probably one of those. I mean, he's sexy. The man can sing, no doubt about it. No matter what you think of his music, he's very talented. He's probably just like deliciously moody and incredibly passionate. And he probably really deals with not having a lot of critical relationship skills. I mean, there's, he maybe he just doesn't want to settle down. I don't know. But all the signs are on the wall. This is a person that's probably not going to sustain a relationship. And yet a parade of some of Hollywood's most successful and accomplished women have lined up to be with somebody who has a pattern of not being able to sustain relationships. So we are going to look at six of sort of hallmark benchmarks of people who can't, who don't do, I won't say can't, maybe they choose, but who don't do long-term relationships. And like I said, one of these things on this list might not be enough to by them as somebody that you want to date. But if you start seeing more than one of these, you're probably really going to want to look twice. So, the first one is you really need to look at their relationship history. Now, anybody who looked at John Mayer's relationship history would know there were going to be some problematic bumps in there. He can't sustain relationships. He has, like, too much relationship history. And fortunately for women who might want to date him, it's all out there for everybody to see. But this is the kind of thing you learn about somebody fairly early in a relationship. I mean, the one of two things you're going to want to look for is somebody who's dated a lot of people and never really settled down and has some really creative reasons for why or has too little relationship history. The 30 or 35-year-old that's never had a serious relationship, you might want to look at that and at least notice it, take note that that might be a red flag. Traditional benchmarks of maturity. Like, we know what those things look like. By the time somebody is 30 years old, they should have someplace to live. Like, they should not be sharing an apartment with their college roommates or what have you. They should be able to afford a place to live alone. I mean, maybe buy a house, depending on where they're at. I mean, in New York, that might not be feasible, or L.A., but, you know, they should have the kind of living arrangements that are sort of appropriate for where they should be in life. They should be finished with school if that's what they want to do. You don't, I mean, if a 40-year-old has been in college, you know, and never actually gotten out into the world, just stayed in that academia thing, I might look at that and wonder if that raises a flag for benchmarks of maturity. We know what they are. And they do range. I mean, again, geographically, where people might be in life is different in New York or L.A. than it might be in the Midwest. But if somebody's not making those benchmarks of maturity, you want to take a look at that. The third thing I would look at is what are their relationships with their friends and family like? Is this somebody who is actually capable of maintaining relationships long-term relationships of any kind. I want to look at what their relationships with their parents are like. I want to look at what their relationships with their siblings are like. Do they have friends in their life that they've had for more than a year or a couple of years? I mean, do they have some sort of history built in? Demonstrates that they value people and that they're able to be human enough to sustain relationships. Now, 
people have reasons for having difficult relationships in their lives. I mean, there are sometimes very good reasons why you might have a bad relationship with a parent or very good reasons why you should have, might have a difficult relationship with a sibling. But if you have no real solid long-term relationships, that says something about your level of relationship skill. And that is a significant red flag that you should absolutely be paying attention to. Maybe that one more than most. I mean, when I'm looking at my list, that one's a big one. Now, I have relationships, friendships in my life that I've had since high school. And I don't have a lot of, like, close social friends that I hang out with, you know. But I do have some, actually. My relationships with my family are pretty solid. When I met my husband, I would say he didn't have a lot of friends that he was hanging out with, but he had a lot of people that I could see truly adored him. And he did have really solid relationships with his family. So that does indicate that he's capable of maintaining long-term relationships of some sort. Number four on the list, Still still crawling through bars, the pub or the bar is a social environment. That is something that you might want to look at as a red flag. And I mean, again, there may be some reasons for that. I mean, I have a really good friend whose boyfriend every Wednesday night goes and watches the game with his friends down at the bar. That's not necessarily a red flag. But if a bar or a pub or something like that is someone's primary social outlet or social environment, I would probably look at that as a red flag. That doesn't necessarily lend itself towards being able to do, being willing, like a great desire for long-term, deep relationships, committed type relationships. That sort of scratches the surface of kind of social engagement. I mean, and this, I didn't put this in a separate category and I probably should have any sign of addiction should be a red flag. And there's no kind of addiction that bodes well for long-term relationships. Any sign of alcoholism or drug abuse or any other kind of addiction is going to be something that you're going to want to take an immediate pass on. And that may not be something that comes to the top in the first two or three dates, but it does become obvious relatively quickly. And when you see something that looks like addictive behavior, it is not your job to rehab it. You're not qualified. Even if you are qualified, you shouldn't be doing it in your intimate relationships. And if you're qualified, you already know that. So addiction is an absolute no-go. Don't Do not go there. Do not pass go, no matter how cute they are. Um, next one on the list, number five, is that they badmouth their exes. Now, let's face it, breakups suck. I mean, a lot of times we don't like the people that we've broken up with. I mean, we wouldn't have broken up if we liked them a lot. So breakups are not awesome. And oftentimes we do not leave those relationships with the most rosy feelings. It mean that you should trash your ex. And certainly as you become more intimate with someone in a relationship grows, you might hear the story of what happened. And that may leave an ex kind of in a less than flattering light. However, Initially, we're talking about, like, as somebody first starts talking about their relationship history, if somebody's trashing their ex, that means very likely that they 
are unwilling to take responsibility for their own stuff, that they play the victim blame kind of role fairly easily. They like to pull that card. And if somebody's willing to trash an ex early, they're also going to be very willing to trash you later. So anyone who trashes an ex on a first, second, third date, that's going to be a red flag. And you're going to want to take a pretty close look at that. The last one that I want to highlight is somebody who isn't able to manage their money stuff well. And that may kind of wrap into benchmarks of maturity. But if you're dealing with somebody, you're thinking about getting into a relationship with someone who just can't hold a job or can't seem to balance the checkbook, can't make it to the end of the month, is constantly, you know, struggling, juggling and borrowing and trying to make all the pieces fit financially, there may be some pretty serious relationship flags in there. And I can hear people thinking that, you know, that might sound materialistic. That might be, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, it's not spiritual to consider somebody's money situation when you're dealing with trying to find a partner, but you should consider somebody's money situation, especially if you're looking for long-term or permanent relationships. If you're dealing with somebody who can't hold their money together, then that says many they don't have money. You know, when I was dating, I often didn't have my money stuff together. And I think it said a lot about where I was in my life. So I've been there. I think, again, not any one of these, just one, probably isn't a deal breaker. But more than one certainly might raise the eyebrows. So we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come right back. And we're going to talk about why somebody would settle for being in a relationship with somebody who's clearly undateable and what to do about it. There is no choice in life that will have more impact on your happiness than who you choose to share it with. Everyone wants to find that one big love. However, most people are looking for that love kind of like they would play the lottery. Finding great love is not a game of chance. For Your Soulmate by Lisa M. Hayes is a by-the-numbers guide to finding the love of your life and creating a life you love. Score Your Soulmate is a step-by-step soulmate finding formula that anyone can follow. What you will get along the way is a swoon-worthy life you'll want to share with that perfect someone. You can find Score Your Soulmate on Amazon or your local bookstore. Get your copy and start your journey to happily ever after today. So three reasons someone might date somebody who who scores high on the undateable column. Either they're oblivious, I mean, you're just taken, swept away, not paying attention, and you just don't notice. You find yourself in that sort of crazy falling in love state of temporary blindness and insanity. I think John Mayer actually may inspire that kind of delirium. Yeah, that's a tough one because it happens. But when somebody's truly undateable, we snap out of that pretty quick because the reality of being with somebody who has some of these things going on starts crashing in pretty quickly. Um, second reason somebody might do it is because they feel like they don't deserve any They can't get any better. They feel lucky that someone like that is paying attention to them. I mean, if that's where you find yourself, 
refer back to last week's conversation on self-worth because everybody deserves somebody to love them, who loves them, and who is capable of loving. And if you can't own that, you're going to end up in this cycle of being with undateables all the time or not dating anyone at all. I mean, unfortunately for me, I ran a lot of time, years, maybe even a good solid couple decades where my self-worth wasn't what it should be. And unfortunately, that did not prevent me from attracting people to be in relationships with to date. It did prevent me from attracting somebody to date who was healthy, who could sustain a relationship. So, I mean, if you think you can't do better or if you're just super stoked that this really incredible, hot, awesome, amazing person is showing you some time and attention and love, you really need to check your self-worth because that is a recipe for the kind of heartbreak you're not going to want to deal with. The third, re- the third reason I see that people will date undateables, even get into a cycle of dating undateables, is because they think they can fix them. And... I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like the addiction thing, right? Like, even if you're qualified to do that kind of work, you shouldn't be doing it with your partner in your intimate life. I mean, a lot of people who hit this undateable column in some reason for reasons or another reasons or whatever they are, reasons that we haven't even covered, they don't want to be saved. They don't want to be fixed. They don't think they need fixing, and maybe they don't. Maybe they're happy kind of playing the field and doing their thing out there. But fixing, thinking you can be the one. I can be the one that's going to change this guy. His love for me, my love for him, this is going to be different this time. Those are the kind of long odds you probably don't want to play with your heart. And As we discussed last week, if you are in that pattern of thinking that you need to be the fixer, teacher, saver, guru, chances are that actually does refer back to your own sense of self-worth. You're trying to do that for some reason that makes you feel important enough that you won't get left. Or like you have some sort of superior value in a relationship. Find somebody who's market ready, who's already done their work, who's already had the life experience and done the personal exploration and the growth that makes them an equal partner. Find somebody who's maybe got their stuff together better than you do. Get out of the fix-it game. It, it just does not work, and it's, it's not a healthy place to be. I mean, what I would ultimately really encourage you to do is study healthy relationships. And I mean, a lot of people will say, and I hear it a lot in my client load, I don't know anybody who's in a great relationship. I mean, there are lots of them out there. Find people who have the kinds of relationships that have qualities that light you up. Find couples who are loving and tender with each other and extremely passionate and study them. Look at couples who are who work well together but still have that fiery spark. Look around your life. Look around other people's lives. Hit the park, the playground. Look for couples that for and really study those passionate, healthy, long-term relationships and start focusing very intently on that. I mean, in LOA, we talk a lot about focus on the end goal. And when we're talking about relationships, particularly when you're single, the end goal can seem like finding somebody to be in a relationship with. 
it's not the end goal at all. I mean, probably the end goal is finding somebody that you're still going to love being in a relationship with 10, 15, 20 years from now. If you stay focused enough, intently enough, with enough devotion to that vision of the kind of healthy, strong, amazing relationship you want, the undateables aren't going to show up on your radar anyway. So if you see yourself in a pattern of being with the undateables, I mean, the six things that I listed, and I will go over them again. Um, don't have their many stuff together. Bad mouth X. Crawling through bars or uses bars or pubs as a social environment. Any sort of addictive issues. Doesn't have good relationships with friends and family that are sustainable over time. Isn't meeting benchmarks of maturity. Their relationship history is sketchy, like too much dating or no significant relationships at all. If you're seeing yourself doing relationships that have those kinds of elements with the partners that you're looking for or others that make them undateable, check yourself, check your self-esteem and then get really, really, really focused and dialed in on a vision of what you actually want to create. Not just finding someone, but someone that you find and you want to be with, that you love being with many years down the road. That's probably your biggest biggest step to success in really nailing it when it comes to relationships. It's not just about finding someone. It's about finding the right someone and focusing on and being dedicated to the vision of that relationship you really want is the key. So if you need any help with that, you can find me at lisamhave.com and big love to you. I will be back next week. for joining us on Love, Life, and Law of Attraction. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you back here next week. For more information, you can find me at lisamhage.com.